0: This is Truth Encounter, and the Corinthian believers were making a mockery of the Agape Feast and the remembrance of the Lord through communion. The Apostle Paul did not sit by. He wrote them a strong letter about what the bread and the cup meant, and what it meant for them to participate at the idolatrous parties in town. Let's join our Bible study leader, Dave Wordson, for the conclusion of the lord's cup or the demonic cup the apostle paul had talked about the symbol of the bread let's look at that because it says a lot about our unity as the people of god it says it's not the cup of thanksgiving which we give thanks a participation in the blood of christ it's not the bread that we break a participation in the body of christ because there is one loaf we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one loaf." Now Paul does an interesting thing here. He talks about the bread as being a symbol of our union with Christ. And then he talks about the fact that symbolically we only eat one loaf. Now when we partake of communion because we have so many people, we'd have to have a gigantic loaf in order to be able to get it to everyone. But it's very important that you recognize that biblically The idea of communion is that we only eat one loaf. And as we pass that one loaf around, what we're saying is that we are all united with the body of Christ. In fact, Paul says that we become the loaf. We become the bread. And he makes this union. He says we partake of the loaf, which equals the fact that we become the body of Christ. I want you to think about an idea for a minute. Paul is telling the Corinthians, and this is a prominent idea in the book of Corinthians, that they are the body of Christ. Have you ever stopped to think about that? If I were to ask you, does Christ have a body on this earth now? See, some of you get all excited about the fact that some people talk about seeing Jesus at night in a vision or hearing his voice. Those things are always dubious, and you can never know for sure whether they're real or not. But you know what you really should get excited about? You are the body of Christ. You participate in the body of Christ. And the idea is, through Christ, you've been intimately joined with Him. Now, that's why we're here today. And I want every one of you to think deeply about it. The only fundamental ground of unity should be the reality that we believe in the living, exalted Christ. That's the only thing that's going to get you through. You see, our unity is not because we're on the same social level. Because as I look around, we have many different social levels. And we should pray that that increase and diversity grows. We should have all kinds of people. If I were to ask you your opinion about the political issue, issues nationally, you don't agree. In fact, during the years, there's been people that say, well, let's get everything organized around this political issue. And I'll find as I interact with the body of Christ, you have a lot of different viewpoints because politics can get very complicated. Now, what's going to happen? If your unity is rooted in your personal social, political interaction within our community, you're not going to stay together very long. You're going to disagree because some of you are Republicans, some of you are Democrats. Some of you think that conservatism is the answer, some of you think no. Liberalism is the answer. You have a lot of different viewpoints. In fact, even as you begin to interact together, what I see happening with some of you is you'll get interacting with somebody and you build a friendship And instead of really building it on Christ, you build it on some common interests. And then what starts to happen? You blow apart. You hurt one another's feelings. And that can happen throughout a church family. What the Apostle Paul is saying is that the fundamental ground of unity, the reason we are together is because we partake of the body of Christ. Because He is our life because he is the meaning of our life because he is the one we live for now that needs to be a reality now where we should be very concerned where we should get uptight is when a fellow believer begins to wander away from that intimacy with Christ when a fellow believer starts not to care about spiritual things and I would challenge you because of our unity in Christ To think about brothers and sisters that you've known in the past that are straying. Because we live in a very deceptive world. And there's very deceptive influences. And a thought that comes into your mind is, yeah, Dave, this spiritual thing is for you. But I've got a lot of other things going in my life. And I'm not sure that you know, the worship of Christ and praying to Him on a regular basis and reading His Word and being sure to instruct my children in those things, maybe that's really not the going thing. I mean, kids can be kids and we're going to have needs like that. And that's just one of the areas of life. You start thinking like that, then you're going to be seduced just like that. And you'll start to be strongly influenced by the kingdom of darkness. Because there's only two powers in the world, that really have power. And that's the power of Jesus, which is the kingdom of of light and truth and morality, and the kingdom of darkness. Those are the only two kingdoms that have any kind of authority. And the kingdom of darkness is totally inauthentic power that should not have power over our lives. But Jesus, if he's rejected, leaves us wide open to the kingdom of darkness. The bread that we partake of is a symbol of our union with Christ and with one another. Christ within is the only solidarity that we have. Now I want to ask you, how committed are you to the body of Christ? How committed am I to the body of Christ? Look around the room a little bit. Do you love these people? Why do you love them? Now, I'm going to answer that question. The only reason that they're lovable... It's because they're in Christ. But that's an infinite reason. The people that you're sitting with, I guarantee you, they're human. In fact, as you grow older with them, they're going to hurt you at times. They're going to let you down at times. But by grace and by a gift of God, they're the most precious people on the earth. And I want you to recognize that the worship, that genuine worship of Christ is the most powerful bond of unity that there is. And I want you as a believer to think deeply about that because you know as you grow older, you know what hurts me? is Some of you will get bent out of shape because somebody will hurt you and will let you down. So what do you do? You stop fellowshipping with other believers. You draw away from the community of faith. That's the hardest thing for me to take in the ministry. You know why? Because it's so dangerous for you. It's so dangerous for you because you expose yourself to forces spiritually that are so deceitful and so cunning. And unless you have the teaching of the Word of God and the prayer with God's people and the fellowship with God's people and a community of faith, brethren and sisters, it's always going to be an imperfect community until we go home. If your ground of unity is perfection, people agreeing with you all the time, people doing what you want them to do, people following your opinions, then you're going to go from one community of faith to the other, from one church to the other. What you need to see is that our unity is built on participating with the body of Christ, of living intimately with Him. As we're here today, He is among us. He is genuine. He is authentic. He is loving, He is forgiving, and He is here. He dwells in my heart, and He dwells in the hearts of many of the people that are here. And what I'm saying is that He's a God of total truth. So get rid of all the con in your life. Get rid of all the deceitfulness. One thing I want to make absolutely clear is there should be no room in light of this fellowship for there to be the con person. The person who uses Jesus as a way to get ahead who uses religion, fellowshipping with believers, as just another cultural thing to do, please don't do that. Do you know that a, that a total criminal that comes up to you and says, I don't believe in Jesus, I think it's a fairy tale, I live just for me, and I want you to know it, I'll be right up front, I'm just a materialist. Do you know that that person is closer to the kingdom of God than a person who acts out all the part? And knows all the language. But it's not in here. Because the person that acts like that is a con. And is lying. Many times they're even lying to themselves. And I would ask you, please don't do that. And the reason I ask you not to do that is because you're missing out on the real thing. There's nothing greater. The Christian life is a hard life. But it's the greatest life there is. And it's a life that wherever you go... I get up before an audience in New York State, upstate New York, and I start to preach from the Holy Word of God. And the power of the Spirit moves, and their hearts are powerfully turned to love the Savior with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. And people are born again into God's family. And believers are renewed in their commitment to the Lord. I go down to Brazil, we teach the Holy Word of God... And people that can't even speak our language are pulled into a joyous circle of love. I don't want you to miss that circle of love. I don't want you to miss the fact that you can be all by yourself in your car. And you can be scared about work or frightened about the way things are going. Or maybe you're angry about the way people are interacting with you. I don't want you to miss the glorious opportunity of saying, Dear Lord Jesus, so and so really hurt me. They let me down and I'm filled with anger. I mean, I could strangle them. I'm so mad. But you live in my heart and my body's become your body. And on the cross of Calvary, when I believe in you, I died to that old way of life. I don't have to allow it to rule anymore. It, it's dead. It's, it's, it's been rendered totally ineffective in ruling over my life I'm, by faith. So I don't have to live like that. I don't want you to miss the joy of being able to experience the personality of Jesus flowing through your life. That's what Paul's really talking about. Eating the bread. Eating the bread physically. Just remind us of spiritually receiving strength from the person of Christ deep within your life. I want a teenager to realize you're not by yourself. When everybody says, hey, let's go ahead and booze it up on a Friday night. I don't want any teenager to miss. You don't have to give in to the crowd. You can say no, not through your own self-effort, but by being very honest, by saying, Lord, peer pressure pulls on me like crazy. I want to be accepted by this group. I want to be one of the in people. And you can be honest about those emotions, but you can say, Lord, Jesus you in my life have the power to help me to say no to the crowd when the credit is doing wrong. To say no to immorality. To say no to lying. To say yes to self-control and not growing cynical as we move up into our high school years. We need to pray. Brothers and sisters, we need a spiritual revival. We really do. We've got a lot of show We've got a lot of religion. We have a lot of apathy. And where does the apathy come from? It comes because we don't recognize the reality of what the blood of Christ really means and what partaking of the life of Christ really means. This is I'm not putting on a guilt trip at all. Because you can have all the guilt in the world and it's not going to reach you. The love of Jesus needs to reach you. Deep in here. In the everydayness of your life. I'm talking to you about ultimate personal reality. And all that is focused in the communion meal. And we just happen to live in a society where, sure we go to church on Sunday. Sure we like to hear a good message. But what about Monday night in your home before the kids go to bed. What about when you thank the Lord for the food? Is there a relationship in that? Or is it just, oh yeah, dear Lord, thank you for the food, amen, let's eat. You see, unless Jesus gets into the fabric of Monday morning living, then we're just apathetic believers. Fertile soil for a young person to go to an occult meeting where objects really will move. Because they will. Where a lot it will be magic, but there might be just a little touch of that kingdom of darkness. And one of our kids that sits here week after week a bun- uh, with a bunch of people that talk it, but don't really have it deep in their heart, that kid will say, I found reality. This is real. Acid rock screaming the symbols of Satan at you has power, friends. You go to a rock concert where the acid rock just pours out, you'll have a cup of thanksgiving. You'll have closeness. You'll have oneness. But it's a totally different oneness than we're talking about. But if this oneness that we have is not genuine, if it's not fueled by the Spirit of God, If we don't have integrity in it, if we're not genuinely in love, then we create a fertile environment for the kingdom of darkness to come in. And I believe, as a group of believers, that we need to genuinely start praying about that and start praying that we haven't fallen into a ritual, that we haven't lost the vitality of a relationship. And what I want you to realize is that He's not far away at all, He hasn't gone anywhere. He's right here. He's longing to hear your love. He's longing to hear your praise. He's longing for you to rejoice in the forgiveness of the cross. He's longing for you to love His family, to be devoted to His family. See, when believers genuinely care, and we think of people being trained in Sunday school, have you lost the impact that a Sunday school teacher can have on a young life? Has it become just a routine? I think it can easily become that. Jesus comes back to us and says, Hey, I'm here. I've forgiven you. I've crucified your old nature. I've given you a new life. You do have the answer. It might not feel like it, but you do have the answer. And then we close by warning us about the table of Satan, the demonic, the supernatural realities behind the pagan religions. Deuteronomy thirty two, chapters fifteen, verses fifteen through seventeen warn us about participating in the pagan sacrifices. He says, Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? In other words, in the Old Testament, the sacrifices of Israel were the worship of the true God, and they partook with him. Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be a participant with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot have part in both worlds, the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than He? There's a loving God, a loving Trinity, a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He loves you, he's devoted to you, he's real, he can powerfully change your life. But he won't tolerate something. He will not tolerate unfaithfulness. He will not tolerate your heart praising him one minute and living for the God of heaven and the Lord of heaven and earth and then going out the next minute and worshiping other gods. He will not tolerate that. I promise you, he won't. And he asks for your heart. He says, you should love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And if we're not devoted to him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might, then we leave our lives wide open to the occult. Because underneath, and it's not just, you know, I started out this message talking to you about the way out occult that leads to murder, that leads to the black Sabbaths and all that kind of a thing. That's way out here. It's when Satan's program goes awry, when he loses control over it because of the chaos that's inherent in evil. What Satan usually is trying to do is to create a whole camouflage system. I'm going to close by giving you what the qualities of that system are. Pride is the number one quality of that system. It's when you feel in your heart, I know the right way. I don't need anybody to tell me anything. I don't need to listen to God's word. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to follow my own pathway. That's the ultimate criterion. It's saying I don't need to bow before a God because God is right here. He's a little G-O-D that lives right inside my life. And that's part of the fabric of all of our old way of living. It's the number one part of the kingdom of Satan. Number two is materialism. Now, we do a lot of preaching about immorality, but I want to share something with you. Materialism is just as seductive as immorality. If you're living, if the ultimate motivation of your life are things then you're being influenced by the kingdom of darkness very strongly, and so am I. I guarantee you, if you live for things, you'll end up being immoral because you'll face a choice. I guarantee you, it'll be in a business meeting. It'll be in a family decision. It could be in a political decision you have to make. I guarantee you, you're going to face a choice between doing the right thing and doing what will give you what you think is material advancement. I guarantee you, if you live for things, you'll make an immoral choice. And then you're right on the pathway that will lead to all kinds of violence and immorality in the works. Pride, materialism. Where is our heart? What are we really committed to? Thirdly, it's immorality. And immorality involves all the twisted kinds of sexual behavior. There's nothing new under the sun. We've been teaching you that. I can show you what we are experiencing in our culture. I can show you that in the Greek culture, in the Babylonian culture. Satan doesn't come up with too many new things. Thirdly, it's cruel violence. When you start on a pathway, pride, materialism, immorality, it will ultimately end up in murderous, barbaric violence. I was with the guy that led the Panama Canal. For years and years and years, I was just with him. He was the director of the whole thing. He told me about many years ago when he first started working in the canal, a man named Noriega burned a house down, chased the people out, and his cohorts machine gunned the whole family that was there in bloodthirsty, violent murder. Why? Because of money? Because of power and pride? Because of immorality? And he told me how that man, Noriega, used money, used partying. He told me about immoral government officials. What are we dealing with? The kingdom of darkness? What I want to say is if people live by pride, if they live by their own scheming, if they live to get their own advantage, if they live for materialism, if they make decisions based upon what will bring us the buck, then we can do all the screaming we want about immorality. It's going to be there. And there's going to be terrible violence that's always seething underneath the surface. And you say, well, Dave, what can I do? What can you do? The number one thing you can do is to be thankful genuinely from your heart about the cup of thanksgiving, the blood of Jesus, and really care about it and share it from the depths of your being, and start living in the marketplace that you really believe in this gospel. You worship and adore the invisible Christ. It's not just a Sunday morning thing at all for you. It's the very life of your being. And I challenge you that I believe that you could become the beginning of removing a veneer of godliness that denies the power of the reality of the spiritual life. What is Paul telling us today? Saying, don't be afraid of the occult. Respect it. Don't ever fool with it. What's the answer to the occult? It's the genuine, authentic, personal, loving the Lord Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Because he is the Savior who could look at a demon-possessed person and say, I command you, come out. And they always obeyed. The disciples had trouble, but never the living Savior. You know why? Because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And even the demon can escape from the sovereign rule of that great king. And we need to get down on our knees before that King of kings and Lord of lords. And from the depths of our being, not just now, but all day tomorrow and all day the next day, in school, in business, in neighborhoods, in work, in playing baseball, in soccer, whatever it is, genuinely loving him and thanking him from the depths of our being.